A piece at theconversation.com caught our attention the other day. The title of the piece is, Is Canada Back on the World Stage? or irrelevant. The author of said piece, Professor Eugene Lang from the School of Policy Studies at Queen's University in Ontario, is joining us this morning to, well, talk more about his piece at theconversation.com. Professor Lang, Eugene, good morning, sir, and welcome. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, it's very good to have you with us. And uh, let me just quote very briefly from the piece that you wrote. Canada is back, Justin Trudeau proclaimed triumphantly just after being elected PM back in 2015. The insinuation being Stephen Harper, his predecessor, had withdrawn Canada from its traditional role in the world. And the Liberals would restore our rightful place of leadership in the global firmament. So that was the setup. Basically, after seven years in office, it's It's time to assess the degree to which that rhetoric has been matched with the action. Very interesting that we have this conversation this morning, Eugene, as a a, a fresh uh, piece appears in the National Post written by retired General Michael Mezenov entitled, Once Again, Mm -hmm. Canada Fails on the World Stage. This referring specifically to our DART disaster assistance response team, which should be in Syria and isn't. But again, another example, perhaps, of what at least some see as not living up up to the rhetoric. How about you? What's your assessment? Well, that's interesting. I know Mazenov. I haven't seen his piece. I haven't seen him in years. I'll have to read that. But actually, I wanted to, just t- I wanted to use this opportunity to talk about the dart because it is, the, you know, the issue at the moment, this, this earthquake, devastating earthquake. Uh, the, the disaster assistance response team is about 25 years old now. Mm-hmm. It's force. It's led group that has a lot of capability designed specifically for these kinds of operations. Right. And the, and the DART has been deployed seven times in the last 25 years, twice under the Kretchen government, twice under the Martin government, which was only in office for two years, and three times under the Harper government. It's never been deployed under the, under the Trudeau government. And of those seven deployments, four of them were to deal with earthquakes, and one of them, actually, back in 1999, was to deal with an earthquake in Haiti. We have to ask ourselves, what's going on here? Why aren't they stepping up with that capability, which has all kinds of capability directly relevant to an earthquake? It's got engineering capability. Sure. It's got primary field hospital or medical support capability. It's got water purification capability. And it's been deployed successfully seven times in the last 25 years. And from what I can, from what I gather, they're doing some kind of an assessment on the ground over there now. Mm-hmm. We'll see whether it leads to a recommendation, but to me, it looks like there's a lot of dithering going on and hand wringing going on in Ottawa. Indeed, and of course, at the same time, there is the Burnaby Urban Rescue Team that is over there on right. the ground doing work and, and, in fact, rescuing people. Pretty dramatic stuff yesterday, Eugene. Now, I'm going to Mr. Mezenov, General Mezenov's piece in the Post this morning. He says, the whole point of the DART is that it's ready to deploy. Now, within 48 hours, the 200-person team could be en route. Instead, as you just said, the tap dancing and the hand wringing continues, and once again, Canada fails. Why? And he goes on to say, in truth, the Canadian Armed Forces have very little capability to help, and explains all of that sort of thing. We are, uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, 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 dealing with a government that has essentially ignored the military for seven years consecutively. Well, they, they, they would argue that they haven't, and they have put more money in. Uh, significantly more money in, and they unveiled a new defense policy about five and a half years ago now. 
but money is only part of the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reports coming out from even from the chief of defense staff suggest that the numbers of personnel are way down to levels that are at historic lows and are crippling their capability. So that's that's probably there's a lot of truth to that. I think if the Dart is incapable of deploying, though. And this is a relatively small unit. That really does speak volumes about uh, about how bad the situation has got. And I, I don't know if that's the case. Mazenov would know better than me. But on paper, we have this capability, and <laughs> and this seems to be a textbook case of where you would deploy it, and we're not deploying it for some reason. And there is a lot of hand wringing that goes on when these these situations arise. I was myself involved in one many years ago when you might remember the tsunami struck. Uh, a Che province sure. in Indonesia. Banda, I, was working, sure. I was working in national defense at the time, and we, there was a lot of hand-wringing going on inside our government trying to figure out whether to deploy the DART and back and forth among officials. But in the end, we did deploy it into the region. So maybe that's where this will end up, but I, I agree with Mason that the, the response is very slow. And in these situations, you've got to be rapid. So let's, that's one example uh, of the question that you pose at the top of your article, Eugenia. Is Canada back on the world stage or irrelevant? And uh, I, I would think that in other, on other files, for example, energy, we've seen both the leaders of Japan and Germany approach us for assistance as allies, allegedly dependable allies, and have been rejected flat out and given some kind of hydrogen lecture and sent packing. Uh, that uh, that doesn't sound like a, a country that's back on the world stage. What do you think? On the big issues of today and of the last number of years, we're not leading at all. I mean, we're marginal. We make symbolic gestures, incremental contributions to these things. We're not at all leaders. We haven't been leaders, arguably, for a long time, but I think our um, decline internationally over the last seven or eight years has been quite precipitous. Um, and you see it in all kinds of examples, some of which I run through in that article, you know, the failure to get on the United Nations Security Council second time in a row, mm-hmm. despite a fairly aggressive a gather of what the government thought was a sophisticated campaign, and they were convinced they were going to get on it, and they came third to mm-hmm. Ireland and, uh, and um, Norway. Uh, that was one example. Then there's you know, they were completely left out of this agreement between three of our closest allies, U.S., U.K., and Australia on what's called AUKUS. Right. It's emerging as a ma- major international security agreement for the Indo-Pacific. And as you know, you're on the West Coast. We're an Indo-Pacific country, and the government has unveiled an Indo-Pacific strategy, what right. they call a strategy in November. They want to be, at least rhetorically, Major players in the world were doing almost nothing over there, especially on the defense and security dimension, which is arguably right now the central dimension of, of the Indo-Pacific. That's what AUKUS is all about. Right. So, you know, we show up in international meetings. We're good at that. Uh, we're good at, you know, the cocktail circuit and moralizing. And, you know, our sanct- certain degree of sanctimony comes out of Canadian leaders internationally. But when it comes to actually doing things, Stepping up, this latest example we discussed in, in the earthquake zone is that we're, 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 you know, incremental at best if absent, if not absent. Well, let's talk about and another. It's noticed by our allies. It's noticed. I mean, I mean, Canadians may not notice it. This is, this is my frustration. Mm-hmm. 
but our but other countries do notice it. I think Canadians get caught up in sort of a mythology and nostalgia about Canada's role in the world, and they hear things from people like Trudeau and Freeland and Anon and Jolie that suggest we're leaders when in fact we're not. And that was the main purpose of me trying to write it, writing this piece to point out the reality versus the rhetoric. Well, let's talk about tanks in Ukraine, uh, Eugene, as a final example point that you make in your article. It, a mighty struggle has taken place. And by gosh, we're going to cough up four tanks that are in, at best, questionable condition. Yeah, and I'm not certain of the condition. What What we know is, because the government said so, there's 82 Leopard 2 tanks. They're not that old. Most of them were purchased about 10 years ago, mm-hmm. 12 years ago, during during Canada's involvement in Afghanistan. So they're not that old. So I'm surprised that they're in such bad shape if that is, in fact, the case. I'm not sure that's entirely the full story, though. Okay. Uh, I just don't think the Army wants to give, up, give them up because they're afraid they're not going to get them back. I think that's a bigger part of the story. But when somebody as credible as Rick Hillier, the former chief of defense staff and armored corps commander and former chief of the land staff, comes out and says we should be donating 50 of them, and he would know better than most what, what the capability is, uh, what the state of the capability is, and what we, we can spare, mm-hmm. yeah, I think you have to take that seriously. Four is trivial. I mean, four is symbolic. It almost begs the question, why bother? Exactly. Like something else then. I mean, I think four is trivial. Uh, it's embarrassing. And as I pointed out in that article, of the about 12 NATO states that are contributing tanks, that main battle tanks to Ukraine, we hold the distinction of contributing the fewest number along with Portugal. So th- that's where we stand on that issue in the, uh, in the pecking order. We are approaching uh, an election, at least uh, by law, um, in about a year's time. And there's still some speculation that could occur as early as this fall, a little ahead of schedule, or at least the legal requirements. Is our foreign profile, our, our global profile, our, our place on the world stage going to be an election issue whenever that may roll around, Professor Lang, are Canadians concerned about this or are we sort of still taking the word of the, the leadership and not paying enough attention to the file, period? In my experience and from what I know, international affairs rarely feature prominently in Canadian elections. So I don't think it will, the election will turn on any of these issues. I don't think they're big issues. In the grand scheme of things, if you look at most polls that rate um, rank issues of importance for Canadians, international relations, anything to do with it ranks near the bottom, and that's been the case for at least 30 years. So I don't think it will be a big election issue. We are a very domestically focused country. <laughs> I think this is one of the great Canadian conceits. We think of ourselves as global citizens. Right. And, glo- and global leaders and playing all these big roles around the world. And we're just not. I mean, I hate to say it, but we're just, we're just not. I mean, we're very domestically focused. And the politicians respond to that. They don't try to lead people out of that mindset. They reinforce it with this rhetoric, which is what I'm trying to talk about uh, in this little article. You know, so it reinforces the view that we're, we're doing lots. Don't worry about that. Let's worry about the things that we care about at home. Hmm. And well, I think those are the issues that the election will turn on. If they turn on issues at all, they may just turn on personalities, as they often do, or you're just tired of these guys, get rid of them, try somebody else. Mm-hmm. 
Well, it's a very worthwhile effort uh, uh, that you've uh, put together with this uh, this article at theconversation.com. I commend it to my listeners, Professor Lang, and I thank you for your time in fleshing it out for us on the radio this morning. It's important, and I, I hope that more of us are being a little more conscious of who we are uh, relative to as we are seen by the rest of the world. Thanks, Eugene. We appreciate this very much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Have a good day.